G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you know, the upcoming Remembrance Day on November 11th commemorates 100 years. It's the centenary of the end of World War One. Well, an opportunity today to reflect on one of the greats of the Australian military in our history, Harry Chauvel who led the light horse charge on Beersheba, leading to the liberation of Israel from the rule of the Ottoman Empire. Well, Sunday the 11th of November was the general armistice on the Western Front of World War One, and this date closely follows the centenary of the Middle Eastern armistice on the 31st of October 1918. Neville Clark is joining us to reflect on Harry Chauvel, Neville is a highly honoured soldier, educator and author. He was decorated with the Military Cross in 1968 for bravery in the Vietnam War in 1967 and awarded the Centenary Medal in 2001 and OAM in 2014. He's an authority on some of our wartime heroes, including Sir Harry Chauvel. Neville Clark, a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks very much, Neil. Neville, Harry Chauvel led the 1st Light Horse Brigade in in Gallipoli before he was sent to other parts of the Middle East, uh, Egypt, the Sinai, and then on to that historic charge on Beersheba. Uh, he was quite an exceptional hero of our Australian military history. Yes, he was the senior soldier in the First World War. He was, in fact, senior to uh, General Monash. Uh, Harry Chevelle was also a professional soldier, Monash was a citizen soldier, so those are distinctions. Uh, but the biggest distinction of all is that uh, Harry Chevelle was himself a sincere Christian. Uh, he uh, showed that in many ways, not just in his Christian dealings with his men, and that's recorded uh, in St Paul's Cathedral in Melbourne by a plaque. Um, he was a lay canon of the cathedral for many years. Um, but also in the way in which um, he conducted his personal life uh, throughout his campaign. Uh, he carried a, a Bible uh, encased in wooden boards in his saddlebags. Uh, he loved, of course, the uh, wonderful biblical names of the places where he campaigned. Uh, no doubt uh, sorry to be there on uh, wartime missions instead of peace. Uh, after the war, uh, he uh, was a church warden of the Anglican Church, uh, Christ Church, South Yarra, quite a famous church, until the day of his death in uh, 1945, and uh, he bequeathed his uh, ceremonial sword to that church. You can see it. Uh, now, he was a great man, and he was a man who could stand on principle. Uh, I'm reminded that in uh, 1938, for instance, uh, when the uh, then RSL had decided to uh, limit or remove the uh, Christian content of the Anzac Day service, uh, there was political correctness even back then, 
uh, Harry Chevelle uh, said that uh, he would resign on principle. Uh, in fact, uh, his words were, uh, we are a Christian nation and ought not to allow ourselves to be persuaded to remove all semblance uh, of uh, Christian uh, commemoration from a ceremony which we of the League have done our very best uh, to make a national occasion. Neville, as uh, you describe that sentiment yes. and the strength and foundation of his Christian commitment, uh, do you think that as he was there in the Middle East leading the charge of the light horse and the liberation of Beersheba, you say he would have preferred to have been there not in wartime but to appreciate all of the history, the biblical history of a biblical land. But uh, as he was leading the light horse, do you think that he had in his mind uh, that this was significant when it comes to even biblical fulfilment of, of prophetic words about the nature of Israel and Jerusalem? Well, it's hard to say uh, what exactly was in his mind, apart from the tactics of the day, but uh, I have no doubt uh, that uh, he, he, in seeing off the 400-year rule of the Ottoman Empire uh, in uh, helping liberate Jerusalem, and uh, we sometimes forget that of uh, the past 13 centuries, uh, Jerusalem has been ruled by Islam, uh, he saw... Uh, uh, a rebirth, at any rate, of um, the Judeo-Christian ethic, uh, and uh, that this uh, freeing of um, uh, the Middle East from the Ottoman Empire, which was a media benefit, of course, to uh, not just to Jews and Christians, but also to Armenians and to uh, not a few of the Arab uh, people. Uh, it's hard to say that he saw that as his fulfilment uh, of uh, prophecy, but the fact is um, the, these areas were liberated. Uh, there is now a modern state of Israel, uh, and uh, there's no question but that uh, his, his, his light horsemen helped to bring that about. It was created 30 years after. And, and Neville, as, uh, as you say, whether he Israel. knew that or not, he was yeah. leading that light horse charge the liberation of Beersheba from the Ottoman Empire. And that, in fact, became a turning point, didn't it, uh, in the war in the Middle East. And the fact yes. that he's an Australian, the fact that he was a Christian, these things are significant, are they not, when it comes to our connection today with the nation of Israel? Oh, undoubtedly. We have a very uh, a close connection uh, there. Uh, and I think that is been shown by the visits of various Australians, uh, particularly Christian Australians, uh, to Beersheba last year for the uh, centenary and uh, indeed this year probably also for the um, armistice. Uh, I know there's a very, very close connection there. I don't know whether <laughs> many of his horsemen who are often regarded as uh, fairly careless young men uh, felt the same as Harry. Um, the official historian uh, has an interesting uh, uh, statement. Harry Gullett writes in uh, Volume 7 of Sinai and Palestine, the official history of Australia in the First World War. Uh, he said, uh, no, uh, uh, no other soldiers rode closer to the Christian precept uh, to do justly, do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with their God than these seemingly careless young light horsemen. 
that's the official view uh, of what uh, the Light Horsemen achieved, uh, what was in their hearts and minds and nothing. But so many of them, of course, uh, loved being in the Holy Land. They'd been to Sunday school. They'd last heard the names of these places from the lips of their Sunday school teachers. I have no doubt that many of them uh, were aware of the spiritual significance as well as the tactical significance of the Beersheba battle. And something of a tribute, too, to Harry Chauvel, if those values that he carried so deeply were so passed on to the troops that were following him. Let's go beyond Beersheba and the liberation of Jerusalem, because it wasn't just there. There was plenty more to come, because by the end of World War One, he'd led five brigades of the light horse and the cavalry to a successful sweep to break the Turkish cordon and defeat three Turkish armies to bring an end to the war in the Middle East. It was a major, major leadership feat. No question about that. Um, the overall commander was General Allenby, one of the more successful uh, British commanders of the First World War, uh, and it was he who uh, uh, promoted Chevelle to the command of the cavalry. Not just the five Australian Light Horse Brigades or the New Zealand uh, Mounted Rifles, but uh, 34,000 horsemen, uh, the biggest cavalry since Napoleonic days, in fact, bigger than Napoleon, never never seen since, of course. It consisted um, of Australians, New Zealanders, British, Indians, French, uh, Sikhs, uh, Hong Kong Chinese, uh, West Indians, Jews, Africans. It was uh, a huge command for him. Uh, his spirit imbued it. Now, he was not a demonstrative person, uh, rather quiet, reserved, almost shy. Uh, but uh, his men had great confidence that he had their interests at heart. And uh, indeed, when things, uh, when another commander might have dashed on, uh, he, he wouldn't. Uh, he wasn't going to risk his lives, the lives of his men needlessly, as so many generals did on, on, on the Western Front at this time. Uh, he had that Christian regard for his men, as uh, the plaque in St Paul's Cathedral notes. Uh, Neville, wonderful character traits in Harry Chauvel. Are these the sorts of things, do you think, uh, that made him a great leader? Yes, uh, I do. Uh, he had... Uh, a wonderful sense of duty. Uh, that was far more important to him uh, than uh, any uh, distinction conferred upon him. The fact that he was doing his duty before God, uh, king and country, uh, to use the old phrase which he took absolutely seriously and had done all his life. Uh, oh, yes. And just quickly, when we get to the end of Harry Chauvel's life, a funeral procession, uh, he had a riderless horse uh, represent him in the funeral procession, and uh, there were some significant things about uh, the memory of this man and, uh, and commemorating his death because he was a great Australian war hero. Uh, what do you understand about that last riderless horse in his funeral procession? Well, it's uh, it's symbolic, isn't it, uh, of a soul that has uh, soldiered on uh, beyond uh, beyond earthly life. Uh, the the spirit lives on. Uh, the spirit of the light horse lives on. And um, I'm not sure what happens in Queensland, although uh, 
that's where he came from, of course. His first command was the Queensland uh, Mounted Infantry. He took them to the Boer War. Um, the funeral procession in Melbourne uh, was like that of Monash, uh, a national occasion, uh, and uh, many people have seen in it um, uh, a fitting commemoration of uh, his humble but dutiful service uh, at some cost to himself. And the idea of a riderless horse with boots reversed in the stirrups, uh, signifying a warrior that's fallen in battle. Uh, that was yes. the way he was remembered on his funeral day. Yes, uh, even though literally he did not fall in battle, although he barely fell out of a gum tree a few days before he was death. He was fighting a bushfire. That man, uh, that man never stopped uh, doing what was hard, rigorous and right. <laughs> well, I'm glad we can end our conversation on actually what is quite a humorous note when you think of falling out of a gum tree, fighting a bushfire, but demonstrating the heart of a great man. Well, Neville Clark, thank you so much for taking some time to give us your insights into such a great war hero as Harry Chauvel. Neville, yourself decorated with a military cross, uh, also the Centenary Medal and uh, recognised an Order of Australia Medal too back in 2014. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time to, uh, to let us in on these details and just to mention that there are a lot of commemorations and special gatherings that will be happening around the nation on the 11th of November. Neville Clark will be participating in the Centenary Function at the Memorial Hall at Scotch College in Hawthorne, Melbourne. And uh, that's an afternoon commemoration ceremony. Uh, thank you so much, Neville, for taking time to talk to us today on 2020. A privilege, and God bless you and your work, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.